Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Well, we've been talking about discipleship and uh, this uh, 12 to 14 part series that we're doing. Um, I just, today I was thinking uh, different aspects of discipleship, but, but the one question that we haven't really dissected in all this, we've talked about our true identity is in who? Our true identity is in Christ, in Christ alone, right? And then last week we talked about the fact that he has expectations of us, just as we have expectations of others and ourselves. That's a daily thing, expectation. So God has expectations of us. But then the question we have to ask, what is a disciple? There's lots of things out there about discipleship. And I just went to the basic definition, which is someone, a person who adheres to the teachings of another, a follower, a learner, who takes up the waves of someone else. That sounds practical, doesn't it? Sounds like that is something that we should be doing. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus here on earth, when you read through the Gospels in particular, and we study what he did, we recognize that as a, not only the Son of God, obviously, and I don't mean that lightly, but but as someone that people would watch and say, how can I do what Jesus does? And I hope for you and me today that we're asking the same question. How can I do what Jesus did? Because Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. Now, he wouldn't say that unless it was true, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. So Jesus is truth, period. And so if you're wondering if there's truth out there, his name is Jesus. And so they're watching Jesus, and they're trying to sort out who is this guy. And when someone or people experience God's awakening grace and a willing desire to submit and conform All of a sudden, your life changes, not only your heart, but you know what changes? Your mouth. I hear people swearing. I used to be as good as anybody in the blue department. And I'm not proud of that, but, you know, I even had this discussion with my brothers uh, when I was with them one time. We were talking about why people use the F word. And I don't mean for, okay, the F word. And um, my one brother said, That is a common word that people use in everyday language. And I said, it's not for me. It was until, you see, when you get changed, your tongue changes. Your heart changes. Your words change. Your eyes change. Your thinking changes. Everything changes. And so for Chester, for you to go and do what you did, because God changed you. He took everything that he'd been teaching you and, and putting in you, and you've been doing it in many countries and with all kinds of people in horrible conditions. I'm looking at what you're doing, and I'm thinking, is there anything growing there? There's just dirt and rocks. And then every once in a while, you can see something. And, and you know, I, God changes us so much that he wants to conform everything about us, and that's transformation that Jesus does. If we're really following him, transformation takes place. If transformation is not taking place in your life, then you have to step back and say, am I really following Jesus? Am I really staying close to the master the way I'm supposed to as the Holy Spirit works in us? And the exciting thing about this, folks, is we never arrive. Isn't that great? 
Do you like to go on a journey? Anybody here like to go on a trip? Do you actually go to a destination or are you just one of these people who gets in the car and just drives? Does anybody here like that? You just get in the vehicle and you just go. You have no destination. You know, I'm the kind of guy, if, say, if we're going to here, I'm just thinking I'm going from here to here. I don't care what's in between. April's the opposite. She wants to see everything in between because she says the excitement is the journey, not the destination. So you see, folks, we have a destination with Jesus, and that's exciting, but he says, enjoy the journey on the way. Experience what I have for you along the way as my disciple. Why? Because it's an ongoing work of transformation in my life and your life all the time. And God continues to peel back the layers in us to bring healing and restoration so that we could be his disciples. Often uh, when someone dedicates their life to Christ, they become a new believer. Jesus calls it being born again when he had that discussion with Nicodemus. And, and the whole thing about transformation and how a life has changed. And when someone comes to Christ, we, we say to them, there's some place they should read in the Bible, Revelation. Is that what we tell them? No, we don't tell them, go to the book of Revelation, because many Christians don't even like to read the Revelation, because they don't understand the Revelation. And so, so we wrestle with that one. No, where do we tell them to read? Come on, church. Where do we? John, do you ever wonder why? I've wondered why. I've, I was just always told, tell people to read the Gospel of John. Okay. Read the Gospel of John. So I thought, I'm going to check why we tell people to read the Gospel of John. And I found out why. We just don't know anything different. I made that up. No, actually, um, these are three things I came across from theologians. It says, they said this, and they're in agreement on this. It is the deepest and most spiritual book in the Bible. It, it gives us a better picture of Christ, of the revelation of himself and of God than any of the Gospels. And fourthly, or thirdly, I mean, John was the closest to Jesus. How do we know this? Well, in John 13, 23, NIV, one of them, the disciple who Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. The New King James Version says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Who was that? John. So we, we see the picture of, of James and Peter and John, but John had this special relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, the person that is closest to you probably understands you the most. Do you agree? They, they know you. They understand you. So wouldn't you like to go to that person to say, how, how's your relationship with the one you're trying to connect with? And so John jumps out to us in that way. His relationship and the entire gospel complements the perspectives of who Jesus is. And John is patterning himself. We can pattern ourselves through the gospel of John. If you read nothing else in Scripture but the gospel of John, your life will be changed. Because the patterns that are there can change you. And we're going to walk through three things of pattern change in our lives in a moment. Because we have to understand what is a disciple when we look at Jesus. When we look in the Gospel of John, there's three things that stand out as a disciple. There are many things, but there's three that John talks about. The first one is a disciple is a worshiper. Thank you, church, that this is a church that has a hallmark to worship. Amen? To enter into the place of worship. We are so blessed by the people who lead us here into that place of worship, our act of worship, that you and I have, have the honor and the privilege to come. Now, I've gone to some churches that if somebody would just burp, you'd know they're alive. You know what I'm saying? 
Like there's just like no life there. Well, I want to see life just bubbling up here in the power of the Spirit as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you can sit on your hands or you can raise your hands, but worship. You say, well, I can't sing a beautiful song. Well, so what? Sing anyway. Sing anyway. Sing and worship the King of kings. It's so fundamental to following Jesus that we are worshipers and we have this opportunity here on earth to worship him. Jesus ran into a woman at the well. The disciples had gone to get some food. And so this conversation starts to unfold. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. Historically, they've been enemies. So here's a Samaritan woman, and she's coming during the day, which is not normal, to get water. And there's Jesus. And so this conversation starts. And at one point in the conversation in chapter 4 of John 23, 24, Jesus says this. But the time is coming. He's talking to her they're having a discussion about worship. A time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for anyone, say anyone, anyone who will worship Him that way, anybody who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, Jesus said, those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, we're sensitive to the Spirit And we worship him for who he truly is. Who he truly is. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the one we worship. He is the one that we come to. So that means if I'm following Jesus, my role as a disciple is to worship him. Because there's only one mediator. All of history. All of humanity. One mediator for us. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for all or for many. Now think about it. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, church, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is your mediator. He is the one who stands in the gap for us day and night before the Father. Because you know what Revelation does tell us? It tells us that Satan is before the Father talking about us, pointing a finger at you and me. And Jesus is there interceding for us at the right hand of the Father as a mediator for you and me right now. Hallelujah! I don't know about you, but I get a little excited about that. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords is standing there and sitting there beside the Father, and and Satan comes, what do you think of that Rob Gulliver? Oh, he's a horrible person. He should be doing this. He should be doing that. And Jesus says, don't listen to him. He's mine. Satan, you're under my feet. You're out of here. Shut up. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Is he worth worshiping? He's the mediator. The fundamental act of a disciple. The ultimate position to reflect his glory back to him is to worship him in spirit and truth and the joy that he places in our hearts in worship. (laughs) 
I've gone to places and, and people are worshiping. <laughs> and I think I'm at a dredge funeral, like, you know, like it's like, I have to say, where's Alicia? And she said, Alicia, bless you. You know, when you did great is thy faithfulness at the end there, you kept it right in the place of worship. You, you didn't take it to another place. You just stayed right there. And that's anointing. That's the work of the Lord. That's worship. So he calls us to be worshipers because he is worthy. Amen? Amen? Second thing, as a disciple, it means you're a servant. <laughs> you ever clean a toilet? Yeah. Ever cleaned up when somebody throws up? Not my favorite thing to do, believe me. I usually end up right there with them, um, if you know what I mean. Serving, serving, serving. John 13, 5. It says this. After that, Jesus, talking about Jesus, he poured water. This is before they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel wrapped around him. The one we are to worship, imagine this, the one that we worship is on his knees washing dirty feet. Now, historically, in a Jewish home, one of the things that needed to happen, the servants would do, so if you were there visiting, you would have your feet washed by the servant. It was the servant's responsibility to make sure your feet were clean when you came in. It was part of the ritual. Now, here's Jesus, the Son of God, on his knees, washing the disciples' feet. Did you know, historically in the church, that washing feet was a very common thing? Very common in church services to wash feet. So today, no. Um, <laughs> you probably wouldn't enjoy that, some of you. But, but it was very common because it was a practice that Jesus did. And, and somewhere along the way, we've kind of lost it. Let me ask you this. How many of you have had your feet washed like in a church service? How many of you have never even seen it? Never even seen it? Okay. Okay, well, we're gonna, you're going to be our guinea pigs today. Um, no, I'm serious. I mean, it, it was really important, and Jesus stressed this, but we might react like Peter did. Peter was upset that Jesus was doing this. And... Uh, and so as they got into this discussion, Jesus said to Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you have no share with me. And then Peter says, well, give me a bath. <laughs> you know, if that's the case, like just, you know, go for it, Jesus. Because Peter understood, at least in the moment, what was going on. And oh, here's Jesus, who they're following, this rabbi, this teacher, who does miraculous things, washing these disciples, including Judas, the one who would betray him. He washed his feet. I don't know about you, but that's a humbling thing to think about. I want to turn to John chapter 13 because we see what Jesus is doing here, but we have to see what his instruction is for disciples in John 13, 12 to 17. I'll read it if you don't have it. As a matter of fact, your takeaway, you'll be doing some of this. Uh, John 13, 12 to 17. So we have the story of Jesus washing their feet and what's happening here. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place. So in other words, where they were sitting. 
Then he says this to them. He says, do you understand? Do you understand what I've done for you? Then he says this. You call me teacher. You call me Lord. And rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. Listen to these words, church. No servant is greater than his master. None of us here, obviously, are greater than Jesus. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Who's the messenger? Who sends us? Jesus. Are we messengers? But also Jesus in this story is the messenger, talking about the Father. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so a servant serves. And it tells us in in this story that Jesus is our teacher, is our Lord, and lays out an example of what it is. Let me say this to you. Um, Ministry is messy. Ministry is never convenient. I've said that to April many times. I said, oh, hon, this and this happened today. It wasn't very convenient. And she says, Rob, ministry isn't convenient. As a matter of fact, ministry is messy. You know why? Because you're dealing with people's lives. And messy stuff happens in our lives. Messy stuff. And so you start doing ministry and you're serving. Don't turn around to see who's going to pat you on the back because chances are nobody will. And if we become servants who, who be, begrudge the position and the opportunity, then our heart's not in the right place. Because a servant has a heart to serve. And even, you know, in our social order today, uh, a servant, that can go against society in many ways. It'd be like watching the Queen of England wash Donald Trump's feet. That would never happen. Or vice versa, I'm sure. But the point is, you say, why would a queen or why would a president or a prime minister do such a thing? Why would Jesus do such a thing? Isn't he greater than Donald Trump and our prime minister and, and the queen and everybody else? Yes or no? Yes. yes. And then here's Jesus, the teacher. You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and I'm washing your feet. I'm teaching you what it is to serve no matter what the expectations are in society, because the servant was supposed to wash the feet, not Jesus. And so he sets us before us. And you know what? If we're going to love God, if we're going to love others and serve the world, it's going to be thorns in your skin. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be messy. Going to Denmark, Brooklyn. Where are you? Where's Brooklyn? Over there. That's going to be exciting. But get ready to clean some toilets. And don't complain if you have to. You know what I'm talking about, church? This is a great church that serves. When we ask you to stack chairs, you do it. When we ask you to park over there, you you don't do it. (laughs) Well, some of you do. When we ask for certain things, you just jump in. Thank you for being those kind of servants. And that's what Jesus calls us all to, all the time. And the last thing, 
A disciple is not only someone who worships and serves, a witness. We are a witness. John gives us more helpful pictures of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and witnessing than any of the Gospels. Because it's a commission that Jesus has in this amazing prayer. If you read the prayer of Jesus in John uh, 16 and 17, uh, it's so powerful. And in John 17, 18, Jesus says this, talking to and praying about the disciples. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. After the resurrection in John 20, 21, again, Jesus says to the disciples when they're so afraid because now he's resurrected and he's in front of them, peace be with you. And then he says the same words, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. As a disciple, I'm on a mission. I have a mandate from heaven, and so do you. You're on a mission. You say, well, I go to work every day, or I go to school every day, or I'm retired. You're still on mission. And I don't mean just going to, and I'm not knocking this, going to Haiti or Denmark or, or Kenya or wherever, but right here where I live, I'm on mission. I'm on mission as a witness, as a mandate from the kingdom of heaven. And as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, I am a witness. I'm an ambassador. I am a commissioned missionary from on high. At the back of our church, there's some pictures, if you ever look at them, of our missionaries. And and I still think we should change one of those pictures, Pastor Don, at the bottom there. um, It says you or something. I think we should put a mirror a mirror in one of those, so that when you're looking at pictures, all of a sudden you see yourself, you go, I'm not getting in that picture. I'm not a missionary. Oh, yes, you are. Matter of fact, all our pictures should be on that back wall as missionaries because we're all missionaries. If you're a truck driver, if you're at home, if you're changing oil in a vehicle, chasing chickens, whatever it is you might do, I, you, you say, well, you're a pastor. You should be on mission. No, no, I'm a Christian. I should be on mission. There's a difference. Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus said. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will, say will, will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will, not maybe, might, oh, could happen. No, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. I love that. See, Jesus wanted to make sure that it was well covered. So he says everywhere. And then he says this in Jerusalem. Now, let's say our Jerusalem is uh, Baden and, and New Hamburg. That's our Jerusalem. How many of you live in Baden or New Hamburg? Put your hands up. All right. You are the missionaries in Baden and New Hamburg. All right. Jesus said that. And then he said, throughout Judea, that's the Waterloo region. How many live in the Waterloo region? How many of you live outside of the Waterloo region? Oh, you're in Samaria. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's the surrounding area. And then Jesus said, to the ends of the earth. To the very ends of the earth. And I'm with you to to the end. (laughs) So he's, he's saying, you know, don't be just narrow because the disciples were in Jerusalem, were they not? They were in Jerusalem. And as a matter of fact, they were building a wonderful ministry there until something called persecution happened and they were scattered. And, I, and you know what? When the church grows the most, under persecution. 
When things are easy, we don't grow. There's no pressure. But when there's persecution, well, that's why the church, underground church in China is the fastest growing church in the world in a communistic country. More people are coming to Christ there than we can count all the time, but they're under persecution. And so the opportunity for us to the ends of the earth in this nation of Canada, we are so free, we don't even recognize how free we really are. We complain about the maple leaves or we complain about the snow, right? We complain that it took too long to get my food at McDonald's. We complain, we're sarcastic, and we're not thankful enough. All you have to do, if you really want your eyes open, is go downtown on the streets. And thankfully, we have people doing that. And thankfully, we have uh, uh, an opportunity with our young people doing the, the poverty night, right? That's on Friday. And then Wednesday night, they're doing something else related to that. I thought I saw it in the bulletin. I just thought it was interesting because it was sort of like a poverty thing, but the seniors were eating during the day. So I was trying to figure that one out. But, but anyway, you want your eyes open? Just go there. Go downtown Toronto. I recently saw a posting from looking for a, a downtown pastor in Toronto with the uh, Young Street Mission. And uh, we were involved with Young Street Mission a little bit, know some of the people there when we were in Toronto. And I thought, wow, that would be such a special person, Lord, that you would call to that position because that will be tough. Talk about a mission field. You want to go on mission? Go work with our Aboriginal, our First Nation people. You want to go on mission? Some of the darkest places in the world exist right here in Ontario. Just go there and you'll see. But those people are people, no matter what race, no color, background, need Jesus. We are witnesses. And we bring the good news. How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. Bob, to Cuba. God bless you, brother. We're praying for healing for you. When do you leave to Cuba again? Okay. All right. So you're just waiting for the Lord to do something. Amen. We get those mixed up, don't we? I saw a gentleman yesterday. I was at Walkerton. Our band was playing. We were on our, um, our farewell tour as a band. Uh, one stop. <laughs> Walkerton. It was our worldwide one stop world tour. And uh, because Isaac's in our band anyway, he's going out west, so our band's going to be done. But... Um, one of the things we were, we were talking about, I saw a gentleman there I knew, and I said, I haven't seen you in a shirt and tie. He said, my wife tells me I put it on. I just do what she tells me. And she's standing right there, and she says, yeah, once. <laughs> so I hear you, Bob. But when the Lord speaks, we obey. As a disciple of Christ, he says, to the very ends of the earth, because he has this divine purpose to redeem sinners. In John 1, 14, setting his face like flint, it tells us, Jesus steadfast went to Jerusalem. In the message in Luke 9, 51, when it came close to the time of his ascension, he gathered up his courage. Does it take courage to witness? Yes, it does. Holy Spirit, courage. But Jesus gathered his courage, steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem where he knew he was going to be crucified.
and I'm a disciple, you are a disciple, and Scripture says, filled with the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read it, I don't have time, but in Romans 10, 14 to 17, it tells us how good it is to share. As a matter of fact, it says, if no one shares, then the people never know. So last night I was sitting there, there's a, a young gentleman, he's 19, he's from England, he's about this tall, and he plays the keyboards like Jerry Lee Lewis. Any of you know Jerry Lee Lewis? Makes the piano jump. And this young guy's up there, he's just playing like, I'm, his hands are going so fast I couldn't even see them, it was a blur on that keyboard. And then at one point he kicks out the, the thing, you know, and he's playing away, he's so tall, he's bent way over playing the piano. And uh, he's, he's, he was born in England, and he lives, uh, lives near Walkerton now. And he's doing an East Coast tour. So I got talking to him, and, and I said to him, he was saying, well, you know, if you have a gift, you should use it. He's not a believer. I said, oh, yeah. He says, I think if you have something special, you need to use it to bless others. And I said to him, I said, well, where do you think it comes from? He said, well, my dad's a musician. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. He said, but my dad was also a bobby. You know what a bobby is? Police officer in England, he was a bobby. I said, well, I'm, I'm bobby, um, sort of. And uh, I know it's groaner. But, um, but I said to him, I said, you know, I said, you know where that really comes from, Francis? I said, it comes from God. Because he's the giver of all gifts. For every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. He goes, oh. Never heard that before, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but, you know, folks, this is how simple we can make it. It's not complicated. That's the whole point of what Jesus said. If you don't tell them, how are they going to know? And so I'm called to worship, I'm called to serve, I'm called to witness. And we have this amazing commission from Jesus in Matthew 28 which we will dive into next week. Because if I'm going to be a fully devoted disciple who loves God, love others, and serve the world, I need to know what it is to be a disciple. <laughs> and if I'm a disciple, I'm going to be worshiping Him, I'm going to be serving Him, and I'm going to be witnessing for Him. And that's our call. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.